The Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus was labeled the greatest show on earth. And at one time, it really was. I mean, just imagine being a kid back in the early 1900s, living in a small Midwestern town. I mean, every day you wake up and you do your chores and then you go to school and you come home and you work in the fields of the family farm until it's dark. And the next day you get up and do the same thing. It's just the same old, same old every day, except for once a year when the circus would come to town. They'd let school out and you would go down to the train station to welcome the circus train as it pulled in. And then you would stand there in amazement as you watched all these colorful carriages come off the train, one after another, forming a parade that would go right through the center of town. And everyone would close their businesses and shops and line Main Street just to get a glimpse of the exotic animals and the ornate carriages and the colorful costumes. As a kid, your tiny mind would have been blown by seeing elephants and lions and giraffes for the very first time. And then that night, as you'd go to the circus with your family, you would see from a distance the biggest tent you'd ever seen in your life. And as you got closer, you would walk through the midway and all of your senses would be on overload. I mean, you would be smelling the popcorn and the hot dogs roasting and the sweet aroma of cotton candy mixed with elephant manure in the air. That was the circus. And then your eardrums would have felt like they were about to burst from the sounds of the carnival barkers yelling through their megaphones, things like step right up and see death-defying acts, see the strangest sights that have never been seen before by any human being just beyond the door for the small price of a ticket. And then you would walk through the doors of the big top with thousands of people that had traveled for miles to be there and you would gaze in awe at the largest gathering of people you had ever seen in your life. And then out come the clowns and the acrobats, the strong man doing these great feats of strength, and then the trapeze artist and the tightrope walker, and risking their very lives just to entertain you. I mean, at the end of that night, as you walked away, probably as you were carried away by a parent, your stomach would be filled with cotton candy and Cracker Jacks, and your imagination would be filled with dreams of what's out there. And you would definitely say, I just saw the greatest show on earth. Because the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus was the greatest show on earth. But it isn't anymore. It's not even in existence anymore. There's no such thing anymore. Because other shows came along and made the circus boring. I mean, sporting events got bigger in America. There were concerts to go to. And then, of course, television and movies and the Internet. But that's the way it is with shows. They don't last there's only been one performance on this earth that could really be called the greatest show on earth. And it's been the greatest show on earth for the last 2,000 years. It stood the test of time. It was the greatest show of love, 
the world had ever seen. It was the greatest show of grace, the greatest show of sacrifice, the greatest show of power, the greatest show of purpose that has ever been seen by humankind. What I'm talking about is the life of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're starting this new series this weekend. We're calling the Circus of Life. Because have you ever felt like that plate spinner in the circus? They're spinning all those plates on those poles and trying to keep them from crashing down. And do you ever feel like you're the plate spinner? You're spinning all those plates because of your overcrowded schedule and your undernourished relationships and you're really trying to keep everything going and all of a sudden the plate over here starts to wobble. You run over and you spin that and then one in the middle starts to wobble and you spin that and just as you get that done, one starts to fall over here and you get it just in time and you just keep all the plates spinning because all you're doing is trying to keep it all from crashing to the ground. And at the end of the day, you have nothing to show for it. You feel an emptiness. And that's because you're not involved in the greatest show on earth and that's God's purpose for your life. And that's what this series is all about, God's will for your life. Probably the most asked question I get as a pastor is, what's God's will for my life? How do I know what God wants me to do with my life? How do I know what God wants me to do in this situation? How do I know what decision to make right here? How do I know? Well, we're gonna look at it because when you step through the doors of God's will for your life, you're involved in the greatest show on earth. And that's what God wants for each and every one of us. So I want you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. It's our key passage for the series. And would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? Romans 12, beginning with verse one. Romans 12, one and two, just follow along with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Dear God, I thank you that you have a good, pleasing, and perfect will for each one of us. That, Lord, it is the greatest show on earth to be a part of your plan. And you have a personal and purposeful plan for each one of our lives. And I know there's some within the sound of my voice today, whether they're at our satellite campuses or watching through our broadcast or online ministry or they're right here in the woodlands. Lord, I know that there's so many that feel like they're so far out of your plan they can never get back in, but I pray that you would just nudge them, Lord, with your grace today to let them know as long as they're still breathing, you still have a plan and a purpose for them. And Lord, I just pray that every one of us would begin to put these words into our lives so that we can understand what your will is for us and take those steps to experience all that you have for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice it says God's will for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. God has this plan for your life that is perfect for you. It's a personal and perfect plan just custom made for you. And if you don't step into that plan, there's nobody else to step into it and the world will miss out. And you will miss out on ultimate fulfillment that God has planned for you. Now I have to say sometimes God's plan doesn't feel good, pleasing, or perfect. Sometimes I don't understand what God is doing. In fact, next weekend, Pastor Lee Strobel will be teaching about those times when you're going through valleys and it doesn't feel like God's plan. And, and we're gonna be looking at some of that during the series, but we can always count on it, whether it feels like it or not. 
whether it looks like it or not, that God's plan is good. And God's plan is perfect for you. God's plan for you is perfect for you. And, and you feel fulfillment when you enter the greatest show on earth, God's purpose for your life. But I want you to look at the last sentence in that passage. The beginning says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So if you wanna know what God's will is for your life, underline then, because I wanna know what comes before then. It says, then you will be able to know God's will for your life. Well, then I wanna know what's before then so that I can do that. So I, I wanna know God's will for my life. I wanna know God's direction for my life. I wanna know God's custom-made plan for my life and walk in it, that good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, let's look at what it says before the then. Underline the phrase, don't conform to the pattern of this world. He's saying, don't just fit into what everyone else is doing. Don't just fit into what everyone else is thinking. Don't just fit into the way everyone else is acting. He's saying, don't be the ringleader of your own show. And that's usually what we try to do. We want to stand out. We want to be the ringleader of our own show, call the shots in our lives. But that's what everyone else is trying to do. Now, I've noticed that baby boomers, it seems that baby boomers are always trying to be the best in show, you know, to find self-worth. It's like if I make more than you do, then I have worth, or if my house is a little bigger, or if you know, I drive a nicer car, or if I have more achievements and awards and accomplishments and more recognition and more prestige than you. And it seems like baby boomers are always trying to be the best, you know, best in show to find self-worth. Uh, but I've noticed millennials, it's not about the, being the best in show. It's not about trying to be better than everyone else because they've seen how empty that has left baby boomers. But for millennials, it's more like, I want to be unique. I want to be special. I want to do whatever it takes to stand out. It's not, I don't care if I'm successful. I just want to stand out. I want to be unique. I want to find my niche. I, I, I want to, to do something that makes me different and special and stand out. And they're always trying to find that self-worth in that way, whether it's through social media. I want to stand out on social media somehow. I want to stand out. I want to be different from other people. I want to be different from everyone else. I want to be special. But, but here's the thing. It, this passage says, if you give yourself totally to God, then you're holy and pleasable to God. Underline the word holy in that passage. When you give yourself totally to God, then you're holy. And, and the word holy it's not what we think of because it's really lost its meaning over time. When we think of holy, we think of churchy, spiritual. We think of someone who's really religious, following a lot of rules, rituals, and regulations, and someone who would be no fun at a party, someone who's holy, right? But that's not what it means. And that word holy literally means set apart, special, unique. So did you get that? Especially millennials, did you get that? that if you're a Christ follower, if you've given your life totally to Christ, you already are special and unique. You already are set apart. You already stand out. You don't have to try to, and the more you try to be unique and different, the more you become like everyone else. 
that you already are. He's already made you that way. You are set apart for a unique purpose. You are set apart, and, and so when you strive to be unique and stand out, to get attention, to be different, whatever it is, then you just become like everyone else who's striving to be unique and different and stand out. You say, well, I don't care what anyone else thinks about me. And then you keep looking back to see how many people have noticed that you don't care what they're thinking about you. How many likes did I get because I'm acting like I don't even care? And that's just being like everybody else. But all we have to do is just stop and go, wait a minute, I'm a Christ follower. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to do anything but just be who God's made me to be because I am set apart. You already are. You already are unique. You already are special. God has set you apart. And all you have to do then is renew your mind to believe the truth instead of striving for the lie. And it's our insecurities that drive us to the lies, our insecurities drive us to think, what if I go through this life and I'm never different and special and unique and no one sees that I'm unique and different and I don't ever find my niche? Stop striving and just start believing and then start taking steps of faith in that uniqueness that God's made you to be. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Basically, that, that means literally in the Greek, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold because the pressure of this world and culture is always trying to fit you into the mind. Don't do that. Give yourself totally to God. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. See, if you stop struggling to be the star of the show and you let Christ be the star of the show of your life, then he says you will shine like a star. You'll be noticed, you'll be unique, you'll be different. You will be set apart and special and people will notice because you will stand out like a lighthouse of purpose in a sea of aimlessness. You will stand out like a lighthouse of joy in a sea of selfishness. And God wants us to stand out and shine like stars in a dark world. But the only way we do that is just by giving our lives totally to him and not worrying about it and letting Christ shine through us. If you're always struggling to be unique, special, and different, you become just like everyone else. The real question is, whose show are you in? Who are you performing for? You know, the Apostle Paul was involved in the greatest show on earth. You see, for so long, he, he had been performing for everyone else because he was one of the most religious people of his day, and he was recognized as one of the smartest, you know, through his academics and, and all of his learning, and he had such prestige in the community, and he was so zealous for his religion, and, but it left him empty. But the one day that he was walking on the road to Damascus, then the spotlight shined on him, and he saw who the spotlight was really on, Jesus Christ. And for the rest of his life, he lived for Christ. He gave his life to the real star of the show. And God raised him up as a light. They wrote most of the New Testament. And so Paul said this in Galatians 1.10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. 
I love that. He says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. I'm not performing for anyone else. I'm not dancing to the tune that everyone else is playing because I've danced that dance before, and it's an exhaustive dance that just leaves you empty at the end of the day. He says, I'm only dancing to one tune. I only have an audience of one, and that's God. I'm not trying to please people. It says in Proverbs 29, 25, it's dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you're safe. People pleasing is dangerous, and I have to say that it's something I've struggled with all my life. When I first became a pastor, I thought that was the job of a pastor. You just try to please everyone and make them happy. And I realized after about a day, that was impossible. I failed at that. And I thought, well, that's what you do. You just want everybody to be happy, but... It's impossible. It just wears you out, and you're dancing to everyone else's tune, and you're missing out on that choreography that Christ has for you. You're, you're missing out on the show that Christ wants you to step in the greatest show on earth, his purpose for your life. And some of you are going to come to the end of your life, and you've been dancing to everyone else's tune all your life. And you realize, I wasted my life. That I, I never really stepped into God's will. I was always worried about what everyone else thinks about me. You know, in junior high, that's what you do. You know, you don't want to stand out. In junior high, you just want to fit in. I mean, you don't want to do anything that points any attention to you. And so you just want to fit in. You you don't want to stand out because you're so worried about what everyone else is thinking about you. And don't you wish you could go back and tell your old junior high self, Hey, you don't have to worry about that because nobody's thinking about you. They're so busy thinking about what everyone's thinking about them. They don't even care about you. It's great news. Get over it. Nobody cares about you. I just set some junior high kids free right there. With that blessing, be blessed. Nobody cares about you. They just care about what everyone's thinking about them, but they don't know. No one cares about them. So anyway, but here's the problem. Junior high never ends. Junior high never ends. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're in your 20s, your 30s, your 60s. Junior high never ends. We still wonder what everyone else is thinking about us. We still are worried about, am I pleasing them? I'm pleasing them. And and all we have to do is please that audience of one. That's how... We step into God's will. Stop worrying about what everyone else is thinking about you because they're not, and start following Jesus, the one who loves you, totally. The one who knows everything about you, the good, bad, and the ugly, and he loves you more than anyone, and he says, I know what's best for you. I have a custom plan for your life. Step into it, and you'll find the dance that you were born to dance. You won't be performing for anyone else. You'll be doing what I've called you to do. I want you to meet some people today. Um, First, I want you to meet Allie. She's a teenager in our student ministry at our North Point campus, and I love our North Point campus. We meet in a movie theater on 249 and pack it out, take over the whole movie theater every Sunday morning, and we have this whole wing that we turn into children's and preschool, and it's amazing. Uh, And then we have a huge theater where the service is with our live worship team, and, and then they put the message in, piped in on the big screen, and It's just a really warm and awesome place. It turns into a a really awesome church on Sundays, and they have the best refreshments. I mean, you just get popcorn and go sit down. It's pretty awesome, you know? Get, you know, your popcorn and your 
candy and just, you know, go to church. And every Sunday, what's really crazy is we have people that come into the church and they sit down and, you know, all of a sudden the music starts and people are greeting them and they go, when's the movie start? I was here for Aladdin. What's, what is this? Did I get in the wrong, what's going on? And we go, just hang around. You know, that starts a little later, but you're in church right now. We've probably had 50 people come that way, and that's how they've come to Will and Church there. So it's pretty cool. But I want you to hear Allie's story because she's, you know, she's following Christ, and she doesn't care what anyone thinks. Peer pressure, she just wants to follow Jesus. Just watch. The greatest show on earth is really just following Christ and letting him show himself through you. In John 6, 38, Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So even Jesus didn't come to this earth to create his own show. He said, I'm just doing my heavenly Father's will. I'm fulfilling my purpose of saving the world just one step at a time, doing my heavenly Father's will, what he wants me to do. And that's my purpose. And so really that's our purpose, just to obey Christ one step at a time. We always wanna do something big and great for God as Christ followers, but he never asks to do something big and great for him. He just wants us to do a step of faith. He wants us to take a small step of faith so he can do something big and great in us and through us. And so all I have to do to be in God's will is just take the next step of faith, just to obey him. When he speaks to my heart, just obey him. When I read in his word that I'm supposed to do something, not question it, not think about it, but just do it. Just obey, just take a step of faith. It's not running in faith, it's taking steps of faith. Every time God tells you to take a step of faith in his word, you take that step of faith and he opens up doors, and he opens up blessings, and you find your purpose. God's will is not rocket science, it's just obeying God. It's not trying to be something that you're not. He's already created you to be who you are, and he's already created you unique and set apart, and so he just wants you to follow him. You know, we're always trying to find the path in life. I wanna find my unique path. Well, I have found if you follow Jesus, the path finds you. You follow Jesus, the path will find you. And you just follow Jesus. Don't make it so complicated. Just follow Christ. Just do what Christ says. Take steps of faith, and that path will find you. And you'll look back before you know it, and and you'll be where you never dreamed you could be. And you'll see how far Christ has taken you. And so it's just obeying him, obeying his will. So it's time for some of you to cancel your show of selfishness. It's time for some of you to cancel the show of your life where you have been the star of the show. And it's time for you to step into the greatest show on earth to experience real life. In Matthew 3, 13, it says, at that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River and wanted John to baptize him. But John tried to stop him saying, why do you come to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus answered, let it be this way for now. We should do all things that are God's will. So John agreed to baptize Jesus, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. Then heaven opened, and he saw God's Spirit coming down on him like a dove. 
And so Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist knows this is the son of God, the creator of the universe. He says, no, I can't baptize you. You you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, that's not what my father wants. It's his will that you baptize me so I can be an example to all of my followers who will be coming after me. That I humble myself to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, I want everyone to be baptized to follow my example. Underline God's will in that verse. Baptism is the first step of obedience into God's will. Once you receive Christ into your life, once you give Christ your life, and he saves you, he forgives your sins, he sets you on a new path, heaven is yours as a free gift, then the next step, the very next step is you're to be baptized as a show of your faith. Really the greatest show of faith on earth is baptism because it demonstrates Christ's death, burial, resurrection, that he's alive in your life to make all the difference in your life. That's the greatest show of faith on this earth. And so Jesus said, I want you to be baptized. Jesus didn't care what people were thinking about him. He, he wasn't thinking, I wonder if some people are gonna think that John the Baptist is the son of God and not me, because he's baptizing me. They'll probably think he's more important than I am, and I'm the one who created the world. Boy, I hope they don't think that. No, Jesus didn't care what people thought about him. Jesus didn't think, well, they're not gonna think I'm very spiritual because I'm being baptized and I'm Jesus. No, he didn't care. He just did what his father asked him to do. Humbly followed his heavenly father. And baptism is that greatest show of faith on earth. And it's a public show. And that's what baptism has always been. The purpose of baptism is to publicly show your faith in Jesus. It's an outward expression of an inward decision. It's a public celebration here at Woodland Church. We have huge baptism out here by the, by the fountain, the prayer fountain, and, and we have cake and punch, and we celebrate, and a lot of people out there, and it's a public celebration because it's a public show of your faith. It's saying, I want everyone to know that Christ is in my life. I want everyone to know it. It's your coming out party to say, I love Jesus Christ. I'm a Christ follower. And that's the purpose of baptism, and that's still the purpose today. It's the way it was back in the New Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, you could be an undercover Christian if you weren't baptized. But once you followed Jesus as he commanded you and you were baptized, it was a public celebration. And then the religious leaders, the Roman officials would be there, and they would put your name down. You'd be persecuted, imprisoned, or killed. So you're one of those Christians. And so everyone knew when they were baptized, they were saying, I love Jesus Christ. I want everyone to know it, even if it means persecution. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me on this earth, I'll be ashamed of you in eternity. And so they were saying, Jesus, I'm not ashamed of you, no matter what. I want everyone to know it. I don't want you to be ashamed of me. I want everyone to know that I'm a Christ follower. I want people to see the greatest show of faith on this earth through me. You, Jesus Christ. And, and that's what it is. Now, in America today, we don't get persecuted, but it still means the same thing. It's just that in many parts of the world, there is persecution after baptism. In fact, there's more persecution in the world today of Christians being baptized than at any other time in human history. In China, they're really cracking down on baptisms. It's against the law to be baptized, especially if you're a teenager. They don't want the young people to come to Christ. And so if you're baptized in a public show of your faith, then you may be in prison. You're really cracking down on it in communist China and 
Also in most Muslim countries, it's against the law to be baptized. And so there are people all over the world today that are being baptized. And they're saying, I want everyone to know this is my public show of faith. And I don't care what happens to me, even if it means persecution or death, I love Jesus. I don't want him to be ashamed of me. I'm not ashamed of him. I love Jesus. I want everyone to know it. It means the same thing all over the world. It's just that we're blessed that we don't get persecuted, but we stand with our brothers and sisters saying, I want everyone to know I love Jesus. I, I am not ashamed of him. I don't want him to be ashamed of me one day, and, and I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if my hair gets wet. I don't care what I look like. I don't care. I don't care if it feels a little different. I, I, I don't care if it's a little uncomfortable. I, I don't care. I want everyone to know I love Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's your public show of faith. The greatest show of faith on this earth today and is the greatest thing we do at Woodland Church because it shows that Jesus died, was buried, rose again. He's alive in your life to make all the difference in your life. Well, next weekend is our super summer baptism. And I know last year we had around 1,000 people baptized on that weekend. And so I know that many of you are gonna be baptized next weekend. And I wanna go over some frequently asked questions. And then I know many of you have been baptized, and I want you to remember how powerful baptism is. The greatest show of faith that you've ever done is take that step of faith into the waters to show that Jesus is your Lord. And so one of the questions is, when should I be baptized? When should I be baptized? Well, in Scripture, it was always after a person committed their life to Christ. After you make a faith commitment to Christ, then you're to be baptized to show that Christ is in your life. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian, but it shows that you are one. So it's this outward expression of an inward decision. So in Scripture, once you trusted Christ, you were to be baptized to show that your sins have been washed away and he's alive in your life. Now, I know that many or most of the people that come to Woodland Church were baptized or sprinkled as babies. And when, if you were baptized or sprinkled as a baby, your parents made a great decision for you. They stood before the church and made a commitment that with God's power and the best of their ability, they were gonna try to raise you to fall in love with Jesus. And then you got your head wet and you cried and you had no idea what happened because it was their decision, not your decision. And so once you're old enough to make your own personal decision for Christ, then you're to be baptized because it's a show of your faith. It's to be a show of your faith. At Woodland Church, we don't have baby baptisms, we have baby dedications. And we have one this afternoon. We have five or six over the next few weeks on Sunday afternoons. And you ought to sign up if you want your baby to be dedicated online. They're filling up really fast. But we have lunch for uh, the parents. And then we go to the chapel. And we have this ceremony that I get to spend more time with parents and babies in the ceremony at the chapel. It's really meaningful. And, and it's so much more intimate. I think we have like 30 babies being dedicated today in the chapel. And it's a dedication really more for the parents because the parents are saying, we commit with God's grace and power to raise our child the best we can to love Jesus because we love our child and we love the Lord. It's the parent's commitment. Now we pray for the child, for God's blessing, but, but the child didn't make any decision. So once that child grows up and is old enough to make their own personal decision for Christ, then they're to be baptized to show their faith. It's their faith now. And I would say this, if you were baptized or sprinkled as a baby, I just biblically challenge you to get rebaptized next week in our super summer baptism. 
I have rebaptized thousands of people that were sprinkled or baptized as babies, and I've never had one come out of the water and say, my first baptism was much more meaningful. I've never had that happen. But it's always coming out of the water and people going, wow, why do I feel like I feel? Why was that so powerful? Why was that so meaningful? Obedience brings blessing. You can't skip over the steps of obedience. Obedience brings blessing. We always want to be the star of our own show, and it's like, okay, Lord, I'll surrender my life to you. Now let me decide what I'm going to do next. No, you can't skip over the steps. He'll bring you right back to the step, and he'll bring you right back to the step that leads into the water, baptism. And so next weekend, it's going to be amazing. But let me answer this question. A lot of people say, how should I be baptized? Should I be sprinkled or dunked or have a bucket of ice thrown on me? What should, what should happen? Well, the Bible, every baptism in the Bible is by immersion of the person completely underwater. Um, the word baptize in Scripture is really a transliterated Greek word, baptizo, and it literally means to dunk underwater, to be fully immersed underwater. And that's because it best symbolizes Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And so that's what that's how Jesus was baptized. That's how everyone in the New Testament was baptized. Well, then you say, well, how did sprinkling start happening? Well, it didn't start until about the Middle Ages, and it was a convenience thing for some because they'd be in places where there's very little water, so they would sprinkle. But the real reason, the main reason why it started in the Dark Ages was because of a perverted theology. You see, the Bible clearly teaches the doctrine of original sin. That is, we're all born with this bent towards selfishness in one our own way. That's why we need Jesus and salvation. But they started thinking there's also original guilt, and they came up with this doctrine of original guilt. That is, if a baby dies before they're baptized, then they go to hell. That was their logic, their skewed logic. If a baby dies they'll, before they're baptized, they'll spend eternity apart from God. And so they said, well, we need to baptize babies. So they started immersing babies and some drown. And they said, we can't do that. So they started sprinkling. And that, folks, is exactly how sprinkling started. Sprinkling babies started that way. And I just know with all my heart that we have a God who is not like that, that we have a God who if a, baby dies before they're old enough to even understand how to make a profession of their faith in Christ, then they go immediately to be with God in heaven. That's the God we serve in the context of all scripture. And so they perverted that doctrine. And, and now I know a lot of churches say today was more of a dedication and all that, but that's how it originated. And so at Woodlands Church, we just want to be as close to scripture as we can and just do what Jesus did. Baptize the way Jesus was baptized and the way everyone in the New Testament was baptized. And so that's what we do at Woodland Church. Now, we have, you know, these heated pools and everything, and it's wonderful. There's nothing magical about the chlorinated water. I baptized people in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized several times, and it's real muddy. And as you're baptizing, little fish are biting you the whole time. It's very uncomfortable and very strange. And it doesn't feel very meaningful to me. And so the baptism pools out here are a lot better, but it's not the... Jordan River, and it's not chlorinated water or anything. It's just the obedience brings blessing. You say, why did Jesus choose baptism as the greatest show of our faith? I don't know. He could have chose, you know, I mean, jump up and down seven times. I don't know. He could have chose, but he chose it, and he wants to know if you love him enough to obey him and not miss out on the greatest show on earth. And I just really challenge you. If you've never been baptized by immersion since you received Christ, 
next weekend is your weekend. And I, I want everyone right now to take out this card and just grab the card that's in your program, this baptism card. And what I want you to do <clears throat> is fill it out and pick the service that you're coming to next weekend. Say you're coming to the 1130 service, then you uh, check that, fill it out, and then next weekend, bring baptism clothes. If you'd like, we have clothes. Um, but if you bring shorts and a T-shirt, you can wear a swimsuit with a shorts and T-shirt over it. And, um, but bring whatever you need to get ready after your hair gets wet, ladies. I mean, you could bring hair dryers and hair straighteners and makeup and everything else because we have dressing rooms. that We're gonna set up all these dressing rooms out here for ladies and dressing room for guys. And, and so what you'll do, you'll keep it with you, your bag of stuff with you during the service. Now, by the way, if you forget, we have shorts, black shorts and shirts of all sizes. And we have towels and we have sunscreen and we have blow dryers and we have makeup and we have, all, we have everything. I'm, I'm telling you, in the, in the rooms. So there's really no excuse. But then after the service, we're gonna do another circus of life. It's gonna be powerful. After the service, I'll say, all of you guys getting baptized, head on out to the dressing rooms. You head out to the dressing rooms, you'll get ready, you'll come out to the prayer fountain out there, and, and then we'll sign you in, and then I or one of our pastors will lead you into the water, and as we lead you into the water, comes up to about here on you, feels great out there, and then I'll say, do you wanna hold your nose? And if you do, we put your hands together, and when we baptize you, we raise your hands up and you just pinch your nose shut like that. If, if not, if you don't wanna hold your nose, we raise your hands up to here, and we lower you under the water right back up. It's simple as that, and um, it's powerful. I don't know why Jesus chose it, but I do know it shows a death, burial, and resurrection like crazy, and it's just obedience brings blessing beyond measure that step of obedience, and, and, and I just wanna say, um, there's nothing that you could do next week that would be more powerful in your life than to follow Jesus with that step. Some of you may have kinda tried to step around that. He'll bring you right back to it. And maybe some of you are going, well, I don't know what my parents are gonna think because you know they had me baptized as a baby, and I'm just afraid I'll hurt their feelings, and I don't know, I mean, you're, you're 55. It's time to stop worrying about mommy and daddy, okay? You know, it's like, your parents did a great thing, you complete it now, but it's your decision. And by the way, who are you trying to please? Audience of one? Well, I don't know, I don't really like to get my hair wet. I don't look so good with my hair wet. Me neither, okay? <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, we have, we have baptized people in wheelchairs, you know? Baptized like a 92-year-old man. He said, I've waited long enough. You know, and, and, and we baptize families of five, six, seven, eight. We baptize a family of 19 once, an extended family, all at once. We'll baptize your whole family together. If your children are old enough to understand what they're doing to make their own personal profession of faith in Christ, and you know, our kids, when they get to be seven, eight, nine, you know, they start asking these spiritual questions, and it's because they're ready to receive Christ. And so our children's pastors will be out at the prayer fountain next week to talk to kids your kids and, and to see if they're really ready to make that decision. They're really good at, at helping them with that and helping you know if your child is ready. But if your whole family is ready and wants to be baptized together, we do that. We baptize many married couples together. It's awesome to say, we're gonna build our marriage on Jesus. We baptize a lot of single adults who are saying, you know, I don't care what direction everyone else is going and I'm gonna follow Jesus. It's powerful. Last year we had a couple 
who were being baptized together that were dating, and after he came up out of the water, he pulled out a ring and proposed to her. She said no, and it was really sad. We, but they were both Christ followers, you know, they went their separate ways, and God's doing something with them. No, I'm just teasing. They said, she said yes. She said yes, yeah. And we, we were surprised because it was like, wow, we didn't know that was gonna happen. But what a cool thing to say, we're gonna build our marriage on Jesus. And I, what a, an appropriate time to propose. I mean, it's just powerful out there. And, and, you know, you're all invited to celebrate it after every service. And it's going to be over 1,000 people. And it's just, it's just God doing an amazing, amazing work. And so I really encourage you, fill this out. By the way, I, I want you look at that last verse because it says, this is about the day of Pentecost. And it says, on that day, about 3,000 were added. So on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were baptized that day in the first Pentecost. You know, and, and 3,000 in one day. And you know what's really cool? Is next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. It's 50 days after Passover. And our, I don't think our baptism's ever fallen on Pentecost Sunday. Maybe there'll be 3,000. And you'll join them. And it's gonna be amazing what God's gonna do. I, I want you to see the story of Jermaine and Ashley. They're a couple in our church who came to Christ, were baptized two years ago at our Super Summer Baptism and are really growing in the Lord. And this year, or this last year, Super Summer Baptism, Jermaine baptized people. God's really using them, and I want you to hear their story of how baptism has made such a difference in their life. That is the greatest show on earth because it shows Jesus Christ changing a life. And I just praise God for him. I want us to pray together right now because I know some of you are thinking, Carrie, I'm, I gotta clean up my act before I get baptized. No, no, you gotta come just as you are. We're all broken and a mess and you come just as you are and he does the work. Some of you are going, Carrie, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I just wasn't baptized by immersion after I received Christ. I was baptized as a baby, but I've been a Christian you know, since I was 10 years old. You know, And if I get baptized, people are gonna think I'm a baby Christian. Who cares what people think? You'll be obeying Christ. And just you thinking that means you're a baby Christian because you care what people think about you. Just step in faith. And you can think of a lot of things you could do next week, but there's only one thing that's the most important, following Jesus. It's not gonna be convenient. It may be a little uncomfortable, but it's life-changing. Let's bow together. Lord, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice who's never received you, that they would just come right now as they are and pray this prayer silently to you and say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit I'm broken. I admit I'm a mess. I admit my sins to you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. As best as I know how, I give my life to you and thank you that you have set me apart, made me special. You have given me a unique purpose. Now help me follow you. Help me, Lord, take the next step of baptism. And Lord, I pray for all those next week that are gonna be baptized, that you would just right now put in their hearts, all those who are thinking about it, that you would just help them have the, the courage to just take a step. Lord, just take that step to be baptized, follow you, and they'll never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I, I want you to, right now, just let God speak to your heart. 
turn these in if you fill those out, and then we're gonna do our offering, and it's a part of worship. I know it's tempting to try to leave out a little early, or, but this is just as important as our worship with song, our worship with teaching. We worship through our giving. And so I really encourage you, as I know summer's here and we all go on vacation at times, don't go on vacation with your giving. Figure, it a way, figure out a way to be consistent because the ministries of this church are going strong. In fact, we have almost 1,000 high schoolers going to high school camp, and we go to Panama City, and we leave next Saturday. They leave next Saturday to go to camp, and it's a record number, and we've run out of space down there. Um, we have a service every night, and... We did rent a school two years ago, and we ran out of space in the gym. Then we rented the largest church in Panama City, and we ran out of space. And now the only place that we can have our service is we're built, building an amphitheater on the beach, and uh, basically for the week to have, you know, a thousand kids and several hundred counselors to be out there to worship God. What a testimony that'll be! Great show of faith that'll be on the beach in Panama City, you know, on the spring break capitals of the world, and, and here, here we are out there praising Jesus. It's really gonna be amazing, and, and one of the things that we do at Woodland Church is every kid that goes to camp, the church pays $150 of their camp fee to bring it down, and so we, we just want everyone to go, and then we also scholarship just a lot of kids that can't afford it, and that's for, this is high school camp, junior high camp, our children's camps, our Bible school, all the things that we do during the summer, and so, if you love students and you believe this next generation can change the world, I just encourage you to give above and beyond your tithes and offerings for our summer, for our kids, for you know, scholarship and people to camp and, and making a difference in our summer camps and the ministries this summer at Woodland Church. So just pray for God's blessing and God's strength as you do. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that all we need to do is believe what you say about us and step into who you've made us to be. And all we need to do, Lord, is stop believing the lies and start believing the truth of who you say that we are. Help us step into that, and I pray that as we give, you would fulfill your promise to give back, Lord, so that we'll be conduits of your blessing. And then I pray for all the ministries and missions of Woodland Church this summer, that you would just change lives, Lord, by the thousands, as only you can. We dedicate the summer to you for your protection and strength and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Woodland Church, next week, Circus of Life continues. It's going to be amazing. Every week we're singing a song from The Greatest Show and musical and movie, and it's awesome. And God bless you, Woodland Church. We love you. Have a great week. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.